You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. You know, um, I, oftentimes I like to begin our time together by making some kind of like a proclamation. And a few weeks ago, I, I made a proclamation or a declaration, and I said, it's a great day to have a great day. And you all agreed. And so today, I want to make that declaration again today uh, for a different reason. Uh, first, let me say, it is a great day to have a great day. Do you agree with that? Yes. yes. Okay, let me tell you why. In Hebrews chapter 13, there are two great truths uh, that make this even a greater reason to, ha- to have a great day today. The first is that uh, Hebrews th- uh, 13.8 says, uh, I, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. So what that tells us is he is the one person that we can always count on. He's never going to shift. He's never going to change. When everything is changing around us, we can count on Jesus. Then the other thing is he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that great to know? And so when I consider those two things, I think what a great day to have a great day because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever, and he'll never leave us. Do you agree with that? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray before we move into the message. Father God, thank you. Uh, We acknowledge your presence in this place today. Thank you for just a wonderful time in worship as we were able to lift you up and glorify your name. Um, As we give thanks for your presence, we also ask that uh, as you are with us today, we ask that through your word and by your spirit, you would transform us uh, continually into your image. And Father God, that you would help us to continue to uh, understand, realize, embrace, and then move into the great future that you have planned for each one of us and us as a church. And we pray this in the most powerful name that we can. That's the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Well, we're in our final week of a three-week series. The series has been uh, entitled Embracing Our Future. And so I thought before moving on into the message today that I would take just a little bit of time and do a little recap. uh, Just where have we been? What have we done up until this point? And then we'll move on into uh, the message for today. So if you'll recall, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Farrell was with us by way of video. And um, as he was with us, he uh, reminded us of the great heritage that we have as a church, a rich spiritual heritage. We have 80 years of history, six of that being here in the East Lincoln area, that we have been able to tell the story of Jesus Christ, not only in our own region, but literally around the world. And as a result, thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been impacted by that story and experienced the transformation that can only come through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? I mean, what a great past that we celebrate. He also reminded us that um, in our present reality as a church, where we are today as a church, God didn't stop doing great things, but he continues. And so the story of Jesus is continually told to thousands and thousands of people here and around the world. And God continues to bring healing and wholeness and work miracles in our midst as the Jesus in us uh, flows out to the people around us. Uh, That's what we're doing as a church. But he also reminded us that we can look to the future and know that we have even greater days ahead. In fact, because God is always working for good and because God is always working for our good, we can look to the future with confidence and know that the best is yet to come. Our 
our latter days will be much greater than our former days. Do you believe that for you as an individual and as a church? Do you believe that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very true. Um, in that first week, we focused on Joshua chapter 1, and we looked at nine verses. And as we looked at those nine verses, we drew from those verses uh, uh, what we would say were significant, um, necessary lessons or principles that, were, that we had to embrace if we were going to effectively move into embrace our future. And here's what those were. We said, first of all, we celebrate the past, even as we've done this morning, but we don't allow ourselves to camp out there. In other words, we never forget what God has done. We never stop worshiping and praising him for what he's done and what he's doing right now. But by the same token, we don't allow ourselves to get stuck there because when we allow ourselves to get stuck in the past or in the present, we forfeit moving into fully the future that God has for us. The second lesson we learned was that preparation precedes possession. Uh, We can't possess the future until we prepare for it. How do we prepare for it? We prepare, we prepare for it prayerfully. We prepare for it spiritually, mentally, emotionally. We look ahead and we say, God, pour out your spirit in us and through us so that we can be prepared for all that you have for us. The third thing that we learned was as we join faith in action, the impossible becomes possible. In other words, when we have faith in God and what he's able to do, and then we join that with action on our part, that which seems impossible suddenly becomes possible through God and through God only. And then finally, we said that obedience to God's way makes way for God's will. In other words, um, all throughout this series, I've talked about the fact that we do have a great future for us as a church. And one of the things that we're excited about is that great future uh, uh, includes a, a, a building on the 10 acres of land that we have. And we are so excited that God is going to give us that opportunity. But our call, our mission is not simply to a building in the future, but it's to people. We are to be people who are kingdom focused, that we remember that there are still countless thousands and thousands and thousands of people who need to hear the story of Jesus. Those are who are already part of the kingdom of God, who continue to need to uh, understand and grow in the power of Jesus, the transformative power to, to know his word. And so that's our focus. It's a kingdom focus. We focus on people. And in the future, it just so happens that God's going to give us a building that will allow greater opportunity for all of those things to happen, greater opportunity for us to have a base for which we reach out into our community. And then uh, last weekend, last weekend, we acknowledged that, that it's true that as a church, we have a great future before us. God has planned a great future, but we turned it a bit more personal. We said, if God has a great future for the church and the church is made of people, So if God has a great future for the church and the church is made of people, then that means that God has a great future for us as individuals. And so I would say to each person in this room, if I could sit with you today face to face, I would say this. God called you into his kingdom on purpose. God called you into his kingdom for a purpose. God has planned for you that you would participate with him and letting Jesus flow through you so that the miraculous can flow out of you. People will be attracted to the Jesus in you. We have to continually understand that God has that that God has called us to our great future together. Um, God has called us to the miraculous as a church and as individuals. Um, we also acknowledge that oftentimes when we look at when we when we face 
the challenge that God has called us to, the, the, the enormity of uh, moving into the miraculous, that it's very easy to say, that's not possible. I, I can't do that. And the truth of the matter is, what did we say? I can't. In myself, I am unable to do it. In my own natural ability, I can't. In your own natural ability, you cannot do it. It requires dependence and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's where our power comes from. So that the, as we open ourselves up to the power of God, that's when Jesus in us flows out to others around us. Um, we, we said that uh, when we look at the situations that God places us in and we think of them as being impossible, we have to remember the fact that God works greatest in our own human limitations. God works the best in our own weaknesses. And so what we see as impossible, God sees as an opportunity. God sees as the possible. There's nothing that God can't do through you. Uh, last weekend, we looked at uh, John chapter 6. We looked at the first 13 verses. It was a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And once again, we pulled another four lessons or four principles that were necessary significant for us if we were going to move into our future, embrace our future effectively. And so while we were looking at the feeding of the 5,000, we learned this. Crowds gather where Jesus is present. Crowds gather where Jesus is present. Jesus had been teaching all day. He and his disciples got on a boat to go across the Sea of Galilee, four-mile trip, because they wanted a time of solitude. The people who had been with him throughout the day wanted more of Jesus. And so they took a nine-mile journey around the lake, around the Sea of Galilee, so that they could be with Jesus. And when, when they found him, Jesus had compassion on them. Crowds gather where Jesus is present. Um, in that, it's important for you and I to understand, as, as the miraculous is worked through us, people aren't attracted to us. If, if you think that, get over yourself, okay? Uh, they're not attracted to us. They're attracted to the Jesus working in us. They're, they're attracted to the presence of Jesus in us. It's that kind of thing when people stop and say, there's something different about you. Will you tell me why you seem different? Why do you have so much peace? Why is your life different? That's the Jesus in you that they're seeing. The second principle is God places us in challenging situations to stretch our faith. Uh, uh, Jesus asked Peter, I mean, Jesus asked Philip, Philip, where can we get enough bread to feed all these people? I remember there were 5,000 men, which means there were well over 5,000 people there that day that needed to be fed. And so he said, Philip, where can we get enough bread? And, and Philip's response was, it would take more than eight months' wages for us to, just every person to have just a bite of bread. Philip was acting in the logical instead of the faith realm. Um, when Jesus asked Philip that, it wasn't because Jesus didn't know what he was going to do. He already had a plan. He was testing Philip. He was stretching his faith. He wanted Philip to join in with him. And he wanted Philip to see the power that was there present with him. And then uh, the, the third lesson we learned is we cannot let big challenges cause us to lose sight of our big God. 
So in other words, when we think about what God is calling us to as individuals and as a church, we can never let that become so large that it blocks our view of God. But we have to always see God is greater. We put God in front of what we seem impo- seems impossible to us so that suddenly what seems impossible is impossible because we're looking at it through the eyes of Jesus who can do any and everything. And finally, we said when we join faith with action, action where did that word come? Action. When we join faith with action, that's when the miraculous occurs. In other words, we have faith that Jesus can do anything that he's working in us. But then he asked that we would partner that, that we would move out, that we would take action so that the miraculous can flow through us. So that's where we've been the past couple of weeks. Let's move on to what, what it, we want to talk today about. Actually, what does it mean? How do we embrace? How do we actually move into our future? And I'm, I'm going to begin this segment by asking you what um, this morning has seemed like an odd question to both services. I, I don't think you'll be any different. Um, uh, so here's the question. Um, do you know what's the best way to catch a monkey? What's the best? It's a little odd, isn't it? What are you telling us about our future, Pastor Stan? What are you, Pastor? We've got monkeys in our future? I, I don't know. So listen, there's, there is a reason. There is a purpose for that. The best way to catch a monkey, it's been said that the best way to catch a monkey is to take a jar with a narrow opening, fill it with peanuts, tie it to a branch of a tree. When the monkey comes along, he sees the jar, he sees the peanuts. What does he do? He, re- he reaches his paw, his fist down in there, and he grabs the peanuts. He grabs a fistful of peanuts. And then suddenly his would-be capture comes along And even though he knows he's just about to be captured because he doesn't want to let go of what he has in his hand, he can't pull his hand out of the the jar. And so suddenly he finds himself captured. The only thing he had to do was let go, and he he could have escaped, but instead. And I wonder, how often is this us that we hold on so tightly to what we've had or we hold on so tightly to what we currently have that somehow we begin to forfeit the, the fullness of the future that, that God has for us. The moral of the story is when we hold on so tight to what we have now or what we've had in the past, we will find ourselves unable to fully move into the future. And God is calling us to a future. To experience a better future, to experience a different future, means we have to be willing to let go of where we are. Listen, it's not to say that the past has been bad, and it's not to say that the present is bad. We must continue to celebrate the past and the present. That's where our faith is built. When we look back and we see all that God's done, this morning... Uh, as we were to gather together as a worship team and, and just our team this morning, our ministry team, we prayed. And one of the things we did is first we acknowledged where we had seen God at work in just the past week. And we had two of the greatest testimonies that were given, something that happened this morning that was actually miraculous and something that happened yesterday that was act- actually miraculous things that in the natural should not happen. And suddenly what happened is we celebrated what we heard and our faith, every person in the, in the circle said, our faith has just increased. But we're not going to live in that. We're going to continue to give thanks for it, but we're not going to live there. And so we have to be willing to let go of what we have now while we give thanks of it so we can move into the future. Um, I think also when we're thinking about moving into the future, 
we have to understand that we can't give place to complacency, to comfort, or to fear. I think that complacency, comfort, and fear become three of the greatest hindrances to us fully moving into embracing our future. Um, Comfort, complacency, and fear work to override faith. You hear that? They, 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 They become this obstacle and they work against faith instead of working towards faith. This morning, as we look uh, at a passage in Joshua chapter 3, in fact, you can go ahead and take out your Bibles or your electronic device or whatever it might be, however how you might get there. Turn to Joshua chapter 3. When we look at Joshua chapter 3, I think that we're, we could see that the, the Israelites, the children of Israel, might be faced with a very comparable dilemma. Here's what's happened. Moses has led them uh, through the desert, uh, and now they are at the edge of the promised land. And Moses has died, and Joshua has taken his God-given leadership role, and his directive has been, now I want you to take the people, the children of Israel, across the Jordan so that they can fully possess the future that God has for them. Take them across. Um, is it possible that the, the, the Israelites could have given in to complacency? Could, could they have been in a point where they had a decision to make to say, you know, it's not so bad here. It's not like it was in the desert. Um, we can kind of see over there. Uh, so I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm good to stay right here. I don't, I don't want to go any further. I, I, we've been working for 40 years, and I'm tired. Um, that would be complacency and comfort. Or maybe they were looking at the crossing of the Jordan, and they said, ah, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of this. I, I, don't, I don't know. And so they're faced with this dilemma. Are they going to follow the strong, courageous lead of Joshua, their new God-appointed leader, are they, going to, are they going to hold on to what they have out of complacency, uh, comfort, and fear? So I want to read the, the passage to you. Before I do, as always, I'd like to just give a little bit of context, and so I will this morning. Um, again, in chapter 1, uh, Moses has died. Joshua is the new God-appointed leader. And Joshua has been given the commission to lead the people across the Jordan into the, the promised land. Uh, into their future. And so his directive is he's getting the people ready to cross over. And then when we look at chapter 2, we find that uh, Joshua sends two spies out to spy out the land across the Jordan. And um, he says, when you're out, would you particularly pay attention to to Jericho? And so uh, the spies go, uh, and they go into Jericho. The king finds out, and he's not real happy about it. I'm not sure, maybe he was intimidated or what, but he did not want these two spies hanging out in his territory. So he sent out messengers to find them. Word must have gotten out that they had gone to Rahab's house. She had the spies there. She was hiding them. Uh, They went to to Rahab's house, and they said, bring the men out. And she goes, oh, you know what? They've already gone. They're, They're not here anymore. She was hiding them. She lied, but she was hiding them. And so the messengers left, and then Rahab decides or helps them out by she lets them down the wall of Jericho through a window from her apartment on a, on a rope, and she has one request, and she says, please, will you remember our family when you come into the land? And there was a commitment that was made. And now let me begin reading in uh, chapter 3, verse 1. 
Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And then uh, the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. So this is the point that they're at. What I want to do in just the next few minutes is I want to draw once again some lessons or some principles from this passage that will help us as we effectively move into our future, the future that God has called us to. Uh, Let me go ahead and tell you, in your notes, you have four of those uh, principles. I've added one, and it's the very first one, so you'll want to be ready to just uh, jot that one down as as I talk about it. And so um, let me give you five principles, five lessons that we can learn from this passage that will help prepare us to move into our future. Here's the first lesson. Watch God move. Watch God move. It's interesting that in uh, these eight verses, the Ark of the Covenant is referenced eight times. That tells me that there's something important. We need to take note of the Ark of the Covenant. What's going on? What is God trying to tell us? Um, What do we know about the Ark of the Covenant? It was the dwelling place of God. It was a dwelling place of the presence of God. And so in normal formation, as the Israelites had been traveling through the desert, there would be a large group of people. The Ark of the Covenant would be in the middle of the formation, and then there would be another large group of people. But did you notice in the passage suddenly it says that the, the, the Levite priests are to carry the Ark of the Covenant. They don't typically carry it, but they are to be the ones to carry the Ark of the Covenant, and they are to move out and move to the front of the formation. They're no longer in the middle, but they're in the front. So think about that. If if the Ark of the Covenant represents, or not represents, but at that time it was the dwelling place for the presence of God, and, and now the Ark is going to move out, uh, that tells me that the direction was watch for the presence of God. Watch God move. Pay attention to what God does. It's interesting because the passage also says that uh, the Levites were to move out to the front with the Ark of the Covenant and the people were to keep a distance of about a thousand yards or about 3,000 feet. Um, I think there were two reasons for that. One is it allowed them, the distance allowed them to actually see the presence of God. But the other thing is there was a, there was a point of reverence. Remember all throughout the Old Testament when the taber, uh, tabernacle was being, the portable tabernacle was being carried through the desert, there were very specific instructions for how the Ark of the Covenant was to be handled. Um, it wasn't to be touched, it, it, you know, but, but, but suddenly um, there was a reverence for it. And now it's moving to the front and the people are to have a reverent view of the ark. It's not to be taken for granted. Uh, 
So how does that apply to us when we begin to think about us as a people and as a church moving into our future? Listen, we must always be on watch. Let me say it this way. We practice the presence of God and we're always watchful to see what God is doing. Where is God? Where is God at? Okay? We, we have to be, if we're going to move into our future, we have to be aware. What is God doing? What, where is God? That leads us into the second lesson, which is um, not only do we need to watch God move, but we need to follow God's lead. We need to follow God's lead. There's a time to pray and a time to plan, but we must be willing to move. There's a time to pray and a time to plan, but we have to be willing to move. Um, When they saw the Ark of the Covenant, the direction was not just to watch, but when you see the Ark of the Covenant move, or when you see the presence of God in movement, that you are to move along with it. You are to follow uh, God's lead. You, it's not the priest that you're following, but it's, it's the presence of God. You move in formation. When God moves, you move. So how does that apply to us? When we begin to think about our personal future that God has planned for us, and when we think about uh, us as a church, what, what does that mean for us? Well, um, I often hear people say, I just can't figure out God's will for my life. Here's what I've always been taught. The best way... To know God's will for your life is to look and see where God is at work and join him in that work. If God is at work and you join him, trust me, the miraculous will begin to flow through you. The, 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 the power of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will begin to work through you. If you simply don't just sit back and say, oh, there goes God again. There goes God There goes God. You know what God's saying? Yes, there I go, and please come with me. Join in with me. I want you to work with me. So if we're going to embrace our future, if we're going to move into our future, we watch where God's at work, and then we join in with him. Here's the third lesson. Trust God in the unknown. Trust God in the unknown. We have to be willing to step into the unknown, knowing that we have the help of the one who does know. We have to be willing to step into the, uh, the unknown, knowing that we have the help of the one who does know. Here's what I'll say for me personally, for Cammie and I. Every time in our lives that God's called us to something that is bigger than us, when he's called us into something that we know, if this happens, it's certainly a miracle. Uh, God, this seems impossible to us, so we're going to have to trust that it's possible with you. Uh, We're not going to look at the challenge, but we're going to look at you. Every time that kind of call is on our life, God tells us the end result, but he doesn't tell us how to get there. And I hate that. I like to know the details all along the way. Tell me step A, step B, C, D, one, two, three. Uh, Tell me how to do it. And in my personal life, maybe you're different, but God never works that way with me. He tells me what I need to know when I need to know. He, what he, here's what he's saying. Watch where I'm moving. Join me. Follow my lead. And I'll show you what you need to know. I'll show you what you need to know when you need to know it. God's never going to let us down. Again, we can move into that knowing we have the help of the one who knows. I like to know the details. Listen, 
as we move into our future as individuals, listen, I think you're going to have the same experience. You're going to hear say, God, I want you to do this. I, this, is, this is what I want you. And you're going to go, oh, my, that's, I, I, I don't know. God, me? He's going to say, yes, you. And then that, and he's not going to tell you anything else. But he's going to wait for you to step, take a, take a step of faith, and then, and then he'll show you. And you take another step of faith, and he shows you. And you take another step of faith, and he shows you. And some might say, that's not very practical. I, I don't know that God works in the practical, right? I mean, I'm not saying God's not a practical God. I'm not changing theology or anything. But I'm just saying, if you look throughout scriptures, it's the same thing. You know, when you think about Abraham, you're, you're going to possess, you know, your, your, your children are going to be greater than, than you can even imagine. Uh, you know, they're going to give you a, a nation and Abraham doesn't know all the details along the way, though. And that's typically how God works. But we still take those steps of faith. So as individuals and as a church, as we move into our future, uh, some of it will be unknown, but we just take steps of faith along the way. And God reveals his purpose and his plan each step of the way. Here's a, um, a, a fourth uh, lesson. What's on the inside counts. Preparation precedes experiencing God's power and provision. What's on the inside counts. Preparation precedes experiencing God's power and provision. In verse 5, he said, Consecrate yourselves because tomorrow I'm going to do great things among you. For Consecration for the children of Israel uh, was a bit different than I think it is for us today. For them, it was a series of ritual cleansings that was uh, dictated by uh, the law that they had been given. They were to go through ceremonial washings and they were to cleanse their clothes and, and they were to take a bath and all this. But it was all outward. There was an outward preparation that was going to happen uh, for them. Uh, and then God was going to move. I, for us today, consecration is, is different. Consecration for us involves the willingness to look on our inside. It, it's all about what's going on in here. Consecration has to do with our heart. Consecration has to do with our mind. Consecration has to do with our attitudes. In other words, that we would be willing to self-examine all of those things. And when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, uh, mm, and there, that we have to say, you're, you're right. I, I'm, I'm, out of, I'm out of alignment here. I've gotten off course. And I need to come back into alignment And that really starts the process of repentance. Because repentance is saying, I recognize that I'm going in the wrong direction. And so God, with that, I'm going to offer it to you. Repentance is really, actually, it means to, when you recognize you're going in the wrong direction, that you make an about face and you go in an opposite direction. So when I'm going away from the will of God, uh, when I've gotten out of alignment with the will of God, I, I confess that to God. That's repentance. And I say, I'm going to walk in alignment with you, God. I'm going to come to you instead of away from you. So for us, it's a, consecration is about holiness. Not about perfection, but that we would be given to being uh, God's holy people. And that we are continually, that's what it means when we practice the presence of God, that that's a consecration is actually going on all the time because we submit ourselves to God. And it's when we do this that we begin to, we clear the channel way for God's power and God's provision. I I don't know about you, but I have actually, there are noted times in my life where God, in, in my estimation, 
The, the power of God was not flowing through me. And when I took care of business, and sometimes it had to do with forgiveness, when I cleared the way, suddenly the miraculous would begin to happen. I, I can take you to pointed times in my life. Um, here's the final lesson. Follow God's direction and step out of your comfort zone and into the faith zone. Follow God's direction and step out of the comfort zone and into the faith zone. It's interesting. Uh, it's uh, what we read up to verse 8. In verse 8 it says, When the priests, the Levites who are carrying the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, when they come to the edge of the water, then they're actually supposed to step out into the water. When you read on into the remainder of the passage, here's what we find out. That uh, the, the, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant did step into the water of the Jordan. And when they did, that the water upstream stopped flowing. That was a miracle. So as soon as they put their foot, as soon as they stepped out of their comfort zone, because trust me, it would have been pretty easy, I think, to stay right at the edge. You think Maybe you've been to Israel, maybe you've seen pictures of the Jordan or whatever. You might think, really? It's, I mean, I think you could swim across it. It's not that big of a deal. So as you read on into the chapter 3, it says that um, the crossing over was at harvest time. And at harvest time, the Jordan was at flood stage. And so suddenly, something that maybe you thought you could swim across, it's a mile wide. And if it's at flood stage, think those waters are rushing. So suddenly it becomes something very different to, to, for the priest to step their foot into the water. But when they did, at that moment, the, the water began to dam up on the end and eventually... The children of Israel, the Israelites, went across the Jordan on dry land just like they had when they crossed over the Red Sea. God was there. They took a step of faith. They moved out of their comfort zone. So as a church and as a people, God is calling us. God's, listen, God has called you as individuals. Many of you, if not all of you, you actually know something that God's calling you to and you go, gosh, God, that is so much bigger than I am. And God's saying, would you just would you take a step of faith? Would you step out of that comfortable place, that complacent place? Would you step out of a place of fear and would you would you step out because once you do, you're going to see you're going to see miracles begin to happen. You're going to see me at work. Watch me move, follow my lead. You don't need to know all the details. Prepare yourself, consecrate yourself, practice the presence of God and then take a step of faith. Just step out and, and take that step of faith, and God begins to work. And the same is true as, as we as people bring all of those things together as a church, then that's how the church experiences its future. That's how the church begins to function in the miraculous. It's not about, because the building's not going to create the miraculous, but it's about the people who fill the building, and it's about the people who find themselves out in the region letting Jesus flow through them. And so that's what I want to pray for you today as we end. I want you to have the knowledge that God has called you to something bigger than you are. He's going to empower you, but he's asking you to take a step of faith. Would you bow your heads? Father, we do believe this. We believe that as for each person in this room, you have called us to something bigger than we are. You, Jesus, want you, your power to flow through us and out to the people that we come in contact with. We acknowledge today that people aren't attracted to us, but they're attracted to the Jesus in us. And so with that today, we offer ourselves to you. We ask that you would work in us. Lord, we ask that you would confirm in us, that you would affirm that call that you've placed on us, and that 
we would see ourselves stepping out of the comfort zone and taking that first step of faith into the miraculous that you called us to. I also pray that for us as a church. Father God, you have called us as a church into the miraculous. You've called us into a greater future than that that we celebrate from our past and even in our present. Father God, we want to effectively move into it. So we together come together as the church and we bring our gifts, our skills, our talents, our abilities and our weaknesses to you. And we ask that you work through us so that this region can be transformed through the power of Jesus Christ working in and through us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're not quite finished yet. Um, We've talked about God's calling us personally, and we've talked about uh, the call that God has as a church. And not to be denied in that, one of the things that we've talked about is that in our future, even though our future is a call to people, God has, uh, has a building in our future. And so we're, we as a church are starting to move towards that future. We're starting to move towards embracing that, that, that future. If you were here um, on Thursday night, you heard Pastor Farrell tell many of the details. If you've seen any of the, the, the video that he's created, you saw the details that uh, just as in Cornelius, uh, for us here at East Lincoln, there is, there's a building in our future. There's not a question of, oh, we might build here, but maybe not there. It, it, it's a package deal. We're, we're going to move into our future. And we're going to embrace a people, and we're going to have this building that's going to give us greater opportunity. I've been really honest with you over the past two weeks. Uh, maybe kind of jokingly said it, but they don't build buildings for free. Um, if you know somebody who does that and they do it really good, tell us. You know, we, we might make some changes. Uh, but um, So what it's going to require is one of the areas that we'll step out in faith in as a church is coming together financially as we move into our future. Um, And it's not that any one person would be asked to give some exorbitant amount, but it's that together we would ask God, uh, God, what would you have us to do as we contribute financially to the future of our church? And then we take a step of faith and we, we move towards that. And so today in your worship guide, you have... Uh, an embracing your future card like this. And I want everybody to take it out. And for the next few moments, you guys might not realize this, but you're just going to play kind of instrumental through a worship song that we're going to sing in just a few moments. And while you're at your seats, I'd like for you to just have a brief prayer and ask God uh, how he might have you participate in our future financially. And then you can complete this. Um, Also, maybe you're prepared today to give a first fruit offering where we just begin to activate our faith by we we give. Cammie and I did that this morning. We determined a couple of weeks ago what we were going to do as we contribute financially to the future of what God's doing here. And this morning we gave our first fruit offering uh, just as a was an activation of our our faith. And maybe you would be prepared to do that. So for just a few moments, you're going to sit at your seat and then uh, uh, I'm going to come back up, call the ushers forward. And and, uh, Pastor Aaron's going to lead us in a a worship song. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.